0: Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Whether it's with someone close to you or someone you just met, sharing your faith can be difficult, but our God knows the challenge and his word contains wisdom for how to meet that challenge. In our current series, Living an Intentional Life, we're learning about the five eyes of evangelism, identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. These five steps will help you to build a biblical strategy for bringing the gospel to others and watching for God to multiply your efforts. We're glad you're listening, and we hope this series will renew your commitment to spread the good news. Now let's listen in.
1: Living an intentional life. We all want to be people who live life intentionally. As a a father, I want to be intentional with my children. I want to be intentional with my spouse. We want to be intentional with the people around us, our coworkers. But here's the first point that I want to give you. Are you ready? It's your first point on your notes. Here it is. Good intentions don't always lead to intentional living right? Good intentions don't always lead to intentional le- living. Businesses have learned this the hard way over the decades. You see, asking people what they want is not a very effective strategy because oftentimes what they want and what they, uh, what they ask or what we ask of them or what they want from us um, whenever it comes to the purchase, they don't actually do. It actually is completely opposite. It's not like they're being misleading or dishonest, it's just they have good intentions, but when it comes to actually buying the product, they don't actually do it. A good example of this is in the early 90s, McDonald's. I got this. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, good, thank you. Uh, McDonald's um, actually came out with a healthy cheeseburger option. Does anybody remember that? Raise your hand healthy cheeseburger option. Like, they were trying hard because they had customers that said, hey, we want a healthy cheeseburger option. When we go to McDonald's, we don't want the Big Mac. We want something healthier, okay? And so, so they actually sent out surveys. And they sent out surveys, and the surveys came back, and the survey said, yes, they want healthier options. People are at high demand. Let's get a healthy cheeseburger. And so in 1991, they came out with a new hamburger. Does anybody know what it was called? It was called the McLean. The McLean. This thing was 91% fat-free. 91. It's held together by like seaweed. I don't know. But it was, it was fat-free. And so they put it out on the market And later, it was nicknamed, you remember, the McFlopper. Because of how well it didn't do. It didn't do good in the market. And so people actually went to McDonald's and they're like scouring the menu. Uh, I'll just go with the number one, you know. I'll just go with a double quarter pounder or the the chicken nugget meal. Like people didn't actually do it. They didn't actually purchase. So businesses went away from survey-based data to behavioral-based data. Like, what are they actually doing? Let's get away from all the surveys. They're, they're not actually doing what, what they ask. They're looking now to determine how you behave, to determine how they're going to produce another product to be able to uh, make that product be successful. They're, they're observing our behavior instead. So even though our intentions may be good, it oftentimes doesn't translate into action. So the question is, as we go throughout this series, how do we move from good intentions to actions in our intentional living. You see, there's a gap. See, good intentions on this side and intentional living on, on the other side, there's a gap. What do you think goes in the gap? The gap is action. It's taking steps into this. And we could say the same thing in our faith. Jesus has called us to live intentionally with the people in our lives, the people around us. So how do we do that? Here's how we do it. We invest in what God values. God values people. And values, he values people coming to a relationship with him through Jesus. It didn't stop with a group of people. It didn't stop with a nation. It didn't stop with a tribe. It extends to all people. We go to John three sixteen, And guys, you are familiar with this verse. It says, for God to so love the world. This word world is very inclusive. Because I want to be so inclusive, I want to include the entire world. He goes back to the Old Testament, and it was for, there was an Old Covenant, it was for a group of people for a period of time, the group of Israel. And then you get to a New Covenant, I'm so grateful we we live in the New Testament, we live in the New Testament church, because the New Covenant says, I'm going to extend my grace to all people everywhere. So that's very inclusive, that he gave his one and only son, this is exclusive part of the gospel. Right? It's through his one and only son. There's only one way to heaven. And then he says that whosoever, that's very uh, inclusive. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If we're going to live an intentional life that God has called us to live, this doesn't happen without carrying that good news to the world around us. And investing, that's the word we're going with today. Last week was identify, identifying people in our life that may be far from the Lord, may not have a relationship with Jesus. Today is about investment in those groups of those people in our lives. How do we do that? And how do we do it intentionally? So, with that being said, let's pray as we dive in to God's word together. Father, we love you. We're grateful for today. Gotta pray that our ears, will be attentive to you. God, your word is life-giving and life-changing. So God, I pray that we are changed forever by them. God, you are good and you are gracious. And God, in these next few moments as we jump in your word, God, allow us to see a little bit of who you are and what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. <clears throat> So I don't think we can talk about investment in a group of people without talking about one guy in the Bible. This guy is named uh, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was an incredible advocate for the gospel, as you may know. This guy was a champion, and he moved beyond comfort to be able to express his faith to strangers, express his faith to his, his neighbors and, and to those. He went from town to town in order to do that. He shared his faith in so many different environments. And in a letter to the Thessalonians, we really see the depth of the investment he had for people. And I wanted to cover that. First Thessalonians chapter two today, if you wanna open up your copy of scriptures or your mobile device, or it's gonna be on the screens, we can follow along because he begins this, uh, this, this opening in first Thessalonians chapter two, verse seven. And let me just share with you the depth of his investment. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you. We love you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only gospel, God, but our lives... As well. Let's just pause for a minute and acknowledge that his investment started from a place of love. This is the foundational tenet. This is the foundational practice of of Jesus' followers and Jesus' ministry here on earth. Where does it come from? It comes first from understanding how much God has loved us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says this Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, Made us alive in Christ. Made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it was by grace you have been saved. Incredible. Because of Paul's understanding of how much God loves him and how his grace is extended to him, he was delighted to share with the Thessalonica people. And guess what? He was delighted to share with them not just the gospel. That's, in, that's great. But he said, my life as well. Like I'm gonna go beyond beyond just sharing with you and telling you. I wanna give you my life as well because Paul knew something. He knew that his, his life was forever changed on the road to Damascus. You remember the story, he rode to Damascus. He was... Went from persecuting Christians, and we all we all kind of are familiar with that story. He went from persecuting Christians, traveling to Damascus to persecute more Christians, to, to kill more Christians. And on that road, he met Jesus for the first time. And Jesus changed his life. And many people looked at Paul and said, Hey, how could this be? A guy like that, Jesus changed his life. And I imagine there's probably some of you in the room right now that if you were to, if you um were to poll a group of people that grew up with you, they would say, Jesus did what in his life? Like, I remember that guy in high school, I remember who he was in college, and I remember who he was as a young adult, and this doesn't line up, but God, but God saved your life through a relationship with Jesus, and because of that, it became personal to you, it became personal to Paul, and because it became personal to Paul, He wanted it to be personal to all the people around him. And so he was active in his faith journey and sharing his faith. So how do we effectively invest in people with the gospel so that Jesus can be seen and Jesus can be heard? How do you do that? What's the formula? Because you look at the second chapter of Thessalonians, and I believe Paul gives us sort of a formula for how this, how this can happen. He gives us really four different principles that we can latch onto. And i don't want to give you those four today. So we start at the, at the beginning again. He said this Instead, we were like little, young children among you, just as nursing, listen, 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 nursing mothers cares for her children, so we cared for you. The first thing is this. He invested through empathy, through empathy. This may sound trite, but people don't care what you have to say until they know that you care about them. It's true of you and it's true of me. Like, I don't want, I don't want to really listen to anybody who has no, uh, who has no time for me. Right, But people who really care for you and are compassionate and show empathy towards you, you, you lend an ear. And I believe that's way the, the same thing here. These are, there. There's some people here today that are sitting here because you revealed compassion and empathy. There's people here today that, that you would say people showed up in your life whenever you're at your darkest moment. People showed up in your life whenever you were suffering the most. They sat with you and just listened for a while. They sat with you whenever you were struggling. They sat patiently, answered questions you had whenever you had questions and doubt about your faith journey. They answered those questions for you. And because of that, you saw Jesus in a very real way because somebody showed up for you. That's the foundation of this idea of empathy, by the way, in the life and teachings of ministry Uh, teachings of Jesus, we see this compassion towards people. Jesus elevated everyone's dignity. Jesus taught us that compassion was a sign of strength and not weakness. Jesus taught us that whenever you do for someone who who could not or would not do anything for you, that that's a sign of virtue. Jesus taught us that people had value because they're human because they are made in the image of God. People, uh, Jesus taught us to have, to go out of our way, to to minister to people when it's not convenient. You see, Jesus taught us that, uh, that people matter. And he went to people like the Samaritans. Remember, He met to people like Samaritans who, who really outside of the group of people, of, of the Jewish people, it was like, this is our circle? That's them, but Jesus went to them. Jesus went to the sick people. Jesus went to tax collectors who was the, considered the chief of sinners. Jesus went to those people, and Paul used terms in this passage that are typically used for a spouse or a child. Like, you know what I mean? You typically use, you don't typically use those, pe- those words for other people, but Paul was usually describing other people with those words, the people that he was trying to reach in Thessalonica. He was using these words of kindness and compassion and, 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 and care. See, this was the attitude. Here's the thing I'm constantly convicted of, and maybe, maybe you are too, is that we must guard against living an insulated life where we want to minister to people that are convenient and easy. Hard. It has to extend, we have to guard against the opposite of empathy, which is apathy. See, it was no strings attached compassion and generosity that became the hallmark of the first century church, right? The hallmark of the, the church, the, the church grew rapidly because of why, because the church would do things that other people wouldn't do. They would show up in help, hopeless situations and give hope. In the first century, plagues ravaged towns. If you study the first century um, period of time, man, plagues would just go through people's towns and take take out people. And when plagues hit people's towns, typically the uh, people who weren't sick, they would leave their family members. They would say, we're gone. We're not gonna catch this plague. We're gonna go and take care of ourselves and go to other villages and other towns. And it would be the Christians who would stay back who would care for these people, sometimes these Christians would die next to their neighbor or die next to the stranger because of their deep care and compassion for them. It would be in the first century, it was not illegal to take a baby uh, to the edge of a forest, to drop a baby at the edge of the forest or the edge of a river and just leave the baby there um, for the wilderness to take. And here's how the Roman Empire got away with it. Because the Roman Empire said it was not illegal because they were just leaving the children to their fate. Get that? They're just leaving the children. So it was okay for them to say, I don't, I don't want my child, so I'm gonna take my child and put it at the edge of the forest. And if an animal happens to grab the child, then that's okay. That's to their fate. Or to the edge of a river and a baby happens to roll in, that's okay because that's their fate. But if the child lives, it's their fate. It would be the Christians who would go down to the edge of the forest, who would go down to the rivers and grab those babies and take it in as their own and raise it. See, this was the hallmark of Christianity. Why? Because people understood this. People understood the high calling and command that what it takes to to follow Jesus with care and compassion, to have empathy towards people. And as a result, the uh, people looked at their generosity, people looked at their sacrifice, and, and they saw Jesus, and the church grew. Investment through empathy. That's the first. And we read on, and Paul continues on with this, with this investment idea, and he says this in verse nine. He says, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship, we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. The second is this, investment through evangelism. Investment through evangelism. Uh, this, might, this word is really hard for some people, right? This word evangelism, it's a little scary. Um, and I think we, even the evangelism comes with a bad connotation. Because for you, maybe when you hear the word evangelism and you think about a childhood pastor who who spoke into a mic as if he didn't have a mic. Right, he just yelled all the time and you thought this pastor was angry at you and he thought he was angry at people and he was hellfire and brimstone. And it scared you away from the church. Or, Or maybe your image of evangelism is some guy on a street corner holding up a sign saying you're going to hell. Right, scaring little children away. Uh, Maybe you're, uh, whenever you hear the word evangelical, you think about a political subgroup. But let me just give you this biblically. The word evangelical or evangelism is simply this. Proclaiming the good news proclaiming the good news. Unfortunately, we we live in a world that believes that bad news sells, and because it sells, it spreads really fast. And and if we're not careful, we can latch onto this bad news cycle and begin that cycle ourselves and not get out of the bad news cycle. And and God has called us to to give the good news, to present good news. And yes, if I were to say to you, "Hey, hey, a part of Christianity, there is bad news a part of Christianity. And here's what it is, that we, our sin has separated us from a holy God but let's transition to the good news. Because of Jesus, we have salvation. Because of Jesus, we have hope. We have joy, we have peace. Are we sharing good news? Are we proclaiming the gospel? I love the, the Apostle Paul whenever he said this in Romans 1:16. he says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. We you just stop there? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jews, and then to the Gentiles. As I was researching this, this sermon and studying, um, there's some stats that came up about people who believe in God in the state of Tennessee. And in 2007, it, we don't have any like recent data, but I'll give you two stats. In 2007, people who believe in God, uh, adults. In 2007, there was 83% of people believed in God. In 2014, that number's dropped to 78 now, that's the last one we have. I wonder what it would be today. The trend keeps going this way. And this is not just, I mean, this is belief in God. I mean, not just, hey, we believe in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Like, there could be other gods represented in that. And as I looked at that stat, and I was like, man, uh, since I've, I've been a believer, since I've been a Christ follower, how many times have I shared the good news of Jesus to those in my circle of influence do they know where I stand? Do they know who's changed my life, who's, who's wrecked my life for good? For me, it's pretty convicting. I don't know how long you've been a follower of Jesus, but in that time frame, can we count the times that we've shared Jesus with, with, our, with, our, uh, with the people and our influence? Evangelism is pretty simple, guys. It's sharing the story of how Jesus has redeemed you, has saved you, has given you grace and love. That's it. We know this, we know that empathy and evangelism are intertwined. Empathy without evangelism is meaningless and evangelism without empathy is ineffective. Right, the goal is Jesus, but sharing Jesus without serving like Jesus is very confusing. Empathy and evangelism, are powerful together. Let's just, let's just say that, they're powerful together. So we, we invest through empathy and we invest through evangelism. And then he goes on. And he says this, you are my witnesses. And so, God, of how holy, righteous, blameless we were among you who believed, Paul says this. He said, I invested in you by example. For example, like the way I lived my life at the heart of God's word, yes, it's to have a relationship with Jesus, but also to look more like Jesus every day. And the question that I have to ask myself, and I think you have to ask yourself, is it, do you look more like Jesus today than you did three years ago? Like, are you continuing that process of sanctification, that idea of sanctify, that word sanctify is to be made holy, to be set apart are we continuing that process of sanctification? And and get this, people are watching us. Whether you realize it or whether you, whether you don't, people are watching our lives, especially our children. They're watching our lives. They're watching how we react. And we may say we may our flesh inside of us may say, "Well, it's none of their business. I can do what I want to do." We talk about rights and we talk about freedom. It's none of their business. I mean, what I what I I mean I I hey I, I I wanna watch this TV show, I wanna to listen to this, I wanna have this kind of conversation, and that's all well and good. I'm not bashing on it at all because I want those. But let me give you another spin on this a little bit because Jesus spoke these words, and he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it underneath a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and they give light, and it gives life to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are here to be light. God is not meant to be a secret to be kept. We're here to be light. God wants us to put, it, put us on a lampstand. He wants us to put us on that lampstand. He wants everybody to see our lives. He wants everybody to be a part of it. Why? Because he wants everybody to Experience it. And you may say, well, to see your good deeds, why? This doesn't this doesn't, seems a little bit self-centered, Jesus. This seems a little bit anti-Jesus. Jesus. This seems like a little bit of, of not humility and not servanthood. This seems a little bit arrogant. But then he says this, let your lights shine before me that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. That they would watch what we do, and we would point to the Creator. While we give, it's all about motivation of our heart, by the way. So when we give, do we give for God to give the glory? God, you do with this as you will. When we serve, do we serve in a way that says, you know, it's, you know God, I'm, I'm reflecting you. I'm reflecting you. This is, this, is, this is your church. This is not anybody else's church. This is not Chase's church. It's not Pastor Jeff's church. This is your church. Are we reflecting back to, to Christ? Reflecting back to God, our, our, our Heavenly Father, that people would glorify Him. This is all about motivation, the motivation behind our good works. So, investment through example. And then He goes on. And I'll give you the fourth one really quick. Because I think this is really significant. He said this verse 11 For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. See the care and compassion here? Like, uh, as he deals with his children. And then he says this, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. You know what the next one is? Investment through encouragement. Encouragement. See, Notice a few words, encouraging, comforting, and urging. Paul is speaking about the power of words. The power of words. Uh, uh, Sam Walton has this quote, he said, nothing else can quite substitute a few well-chosen, well-timed, sincere words of praise. They're absolutely free and worth a fortune. Words matter. And perhaps that may seem obvious, but words carry meaning. uh, Words create worlds. It's hard to say. Words (laughs) Are what we use to communicate to one another. Words are the foundation of our relationships, right, and how we communicate. Through our words, we can communicate beneficial, life-giving things like love and peace and grace and forgiveness and truth. We can use our words to build each other up, to strengthen one another, to comfort one another, maybe to correct one another, all these things, but the opposite is true. We can also use our words to be destructive, to use our words as weapons. If we're not careful, our our weapons, we can speak lies or malice, manipulating others or putting others down. How we speak to one another matters a great deal in our personal relationship with one another but also in our society. But guess what, it matters even more to our God in heaven. Our speech, our words should reflect what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. How how he's forming us and shaping us, what we think, what we speak, what what we do. In Romans 12, one through two, uh, Paul talks about offering our bodies as living sacrifices, the kind that is acceptable to God. And then he goes on in verse two, and he says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but allow God to transform you by changing the way you think, by the renewing of your mind, and then you will know what God's perfect and pleasing will is. He said, renew your mind, because whenever you do that, it changes the way you speak changes the way you interact with people. Our words also shape how the outside world sees the church. How we speak to one another matters. How do we communicate to our loved ones? How we communicate to each other within the church? What do we put on our social media feeds? It, it all matters. Are We talking about other things other than Jesus. Our words are the way the world hears and sees Christ. So those are the four. We got empathy, we got evangelism, we got um, example, and we got encouragement. You like how they all have E's? Thank you. Um, but, but all those things, Paul says, man, I do all those things because of one thing. And let's go back to the beginning. All of these investments are rooted in love. That's why he does it. And Jesus, whenever he was with his disciples, he, he taught them about, hey, what's the greatest command? We, we, we could probably say it. We say, love God and love people, and, and that's great. But then he goes on, and towards the end of his life, we go to John chapter 13, and, uh, and Jesus said to his disciples, hey, I wanna give you a new command. Wait, what, what? There's not, no, no new commands. But he, but he said this, and I think he's reiterating the other commands, right? He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus said this, by your love, everyone, 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 will know you're my disciples by your love. Everyone, everyone will know something about me. Everyone will know how I interact with the world. Everyone will get a good picture of who I am. The same word that he used for love here in this, this command is actually the same word that he uses for John three sixteen. The root of the word is, comes from the Greek word agape. That, that's an un- unconditional lo- love. It's a love that, that says, uh, I'm gonna love you without reservation. I'm gonna love you without any conditions, right? I'm gonna love you regardless of what you do. I'm gonna love you without expecting anything in return. Yes, we love one another within the church because I would say this. I would say, sometimes we don't give off a good picture of love to the outside world of how we interact with each other within the church. And I think we could probably do a better job of that. But also, this love extends to those, to our neighbors, to those that that we're looking at and saying, man, they don't have a relationship with Jesus and my desire is for them to have a relationship with Jesus. And Mother Teresa said this. She said, the problem with the world today is that we draw the circle of our family too small. How big's your circle? And can you draw your circle a little bigger? A little bigger. That we can look at our our neighbors, last week we talked about this idea of identifying people in our life that may not know who Jesus is or maybe far from Jesus. Just identify. And now this week we're talking about investing in those people. Maybe, maybe that circle just goes beyond, maybe just a little bit, little bit bigger, Investing in those people. Um, and before Jesus left the earth, he said this, and we kinda, kinda keep going back to this command. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That word go. Means as you go, it's whatever, whatever part of life we find ourselves in, that's where we're going to carry the gospel to. How we live our lives by, by empathy, by example, through encouragement, through evangelism, all these things. How we interact with the world around us, in other words, Jesus is saying right here, He says, Teach them about my love, teach them about what my light looks like and what I look like. Teach people or let people see the light of Christ. Don't hide, don't hide. Invest in my kingdom. You see, I'm a benefactor of somebody sharing the good news with me. Jesus wrecked my life in the best way. And a lot of you are benefactors of somebody sitting down with you and sharing what Jesus has done in their lives and how Jesus has changed their lives and their story became your story. And now you view life totally differently. You view life not through temporary things, but through eternity. Because your eternity is secure in Christ Jesus. That you know and you've experienced the depth of his love whenever you said yes to him. And the goal for us is to bring people on this journey with us. That says, you know what, I want to see you in heaven one day. whether that's a family member or a coworker, or somebody, maybe it's your sports field that you take your kids to, and you're identifying people in your your kids' baseball teams. You're identifying people, and you're like, man, I I don't know where they are with, with Jesus, but I do know this, Jesus is the only way for salvation. And I wanna invite them on this journey, ultimately, The reason why we invest time and effort in those who have not yet experienced God's grace in love is because we want to to be people who values what God values and God values people and God values for all people to come to a saving relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, do what you want with us. I pray that we have open arms, open hearts to receive and respond back to you what you want us to do here on this earth. We want to be people that are intentional. We don't have, we want to have good intentions that don't lead to intentional living. So God, I pray that you would create in us this overwhelming desire to know you better, but this overwhelming desire to make you known in this world. God, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. And we give this time back to you, in Jesus' name.
0: That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app or follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. See you next time.